Welcome to the Tech Policy Podcast. I'm Ashlyn Kazarian. On today's show, we're going to talk about Tech Lash and the reaction of the American public to it. Joining us, we have Steve Del Bianco, president of NetChoice. Steve, thank you for joining the show. Thank you, Ash. Always a pleasure. So, Steve, um, you guys, your organization commissioned a poll looking into multiple questions. Tell us a little bit about the reason you even decided to get this data and what was what was the idea behind it? The airwaves are alive with rhetoric from politicians who believe it's time to push back on the tech industry, which we have all been calling tech backlash or tech lash. And we felt it was probably time to ask ordinary American voters and consumers what they thought about some of the ideas that tech critics have in mind to change the internet that everyone enjoys today. That makes sense. So let's start with tech lash. You said you call it tech lash. It's, I'm guessing, a negative approach to the technology development, but not even specifically development itself, but the companies that are going forward with innovation. What is your understanding of tech lash? Yeah, tech lash is a, uh, a phrase used for tech backlash. And I saw it uh, come to life in the last two years as a, as a backlash led by political actors against the tech industry of Silicon Valley and the coasts. And I saw it as having three elements, one of which emerged in the election of 2016, this notion that social media was used by third parties to meddle in the U.S. elections. And then subsequent to that, that that bias was being exhibited by tech platforms, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook, in the way in which their algorithms generate news or next views based on comments filed by others and they believe in what the preferences are of the viewers. So that was the social media election meddling and bias. A second element, it was privacy. And America has always had a sort of balanced view on consumer privacy, believing that some element of privacy was worth trading off to get free services, free online services, such as Google search, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, none of which we pay for. And uh, that privacy debate moved into a new realm when Cambridge Analytica revealed more revelations. And it's got a continuing slow boil as consumers become really concerned about data breaches that expose the data that they thought was in safe, safely being kept by the companies they trusted. And then the third element, so I, I, would, I would suggest, is this notion of antitrust, that anti-tech populism could somehow find a mechanism through antitrust laws, which to be honest, was one of the most troubling trends of tech lash is this idea that the government would accomplish through antitrust the kind of things that the First Amendment would never let the government do in terms of controlling commercial speech and the way that these platforms moderate the speaking of third parties. I joined DC and the tech policy world about two years ago, which was also, as I understand, the time when the tech lash started. So I didn't really register the good days when tech was the Capitol Hill darling and everyone's favorite little kid who went on to be this wonderkind uh, teenager. Um, Now we're definitely going through some growing pains. 
um, let's get into the polls. What kind of questions? Because I've obviously read them and they are very, very, the questions you guys ask are very detailed and they hit all of this points. So tell us more about the polls and the results. I'll just give you some highlights, Ash. Americans overwhelmingly believe that online platforms like Facebook, Google, Twitter, YouTube, they empower businesses through advertising and they empower individuals through community engagement and communications. So platforms like Facebook that allow an advertiser for a few dollars to reach a tightly targeted audience of certain demographics in a certain part of the country with an ad in their newsfeed has revolutionized the way in which businesses reach target audiences. And that advertising based on consumer interest is what makes Facebook free for the rest of us. So our polling showed, this was polling of over 1,200 Americans in early August, showed that 77% said that digital ads are valuable to small businesses, and 70% said they are truly valuable to the national economy. So there's a notion here that advertising online, which pays for our free services, is really valuable to those who use the service. There was also no support among American voters and consumers for new heavy-handed government intervention and government regulation on tech platforms. Only 5%, 1 in 20, think the government should focus most of its anti-competition enforcement on tech platforms. Instead, Americans believe that tech, that uh, pharmaceutical industries, energy industries, electricity and gas, that those are the industries that deserve the government's antitrust focus not the tech industry. Every time someone asks me if I think, if I trust the tech companies with my private information, I say that banks and insurance companies have way more of my private information and I don't trust them way, way more. They're the evil ones in my opinion, but this is just me personal opinion, no opinion of Tech Freedom Expressed. Continue. And it's not just consumer polling that would that would want to foreclose this idea that the government could use antitrust to go after tech companies because of concern over the tech companies having some sort of bias. Uh, I mean, the president is not, not too, uh, uh, the president recently said that he was concerned that Google news listings would come up and not show enough positive news. And the president actually wants the justice department to use antitrust laws, to force Google to suppress negative news about the president in the hopes that positive news stories would float closer to the top of the search list. The First Amendment of this country, the U.S. Constitution, prevents the government from controlling private speech like that. And yet, if the government turns to using the antitrust laws, they seem to believe that that kind of pressure could result in changes in the way the companies run their algorithms. It certainly is not going to change in the way in which the news and views of Americans are generated, but it might begin to affect the algorithms that determine what order shows up in your news feed or or my search results. Honestly, all of this debate, even to begin with, even if the government doesn't take any action, puts so much pressure on the companies that they might start to self-moderate and self-police in not a good way, where they're going to have to, you know, comply with what the White House wants or what another branch of government wants. We are not going to have the same uh, diversity of voices online. That's right. Even if the voices are expressing themselves in a diverse way, the platforms that rank, sort, and present them to you and I will have to tweak their algorithms in a way to please their government overlords. And uh, I have been sounding a loud and clear warning to the conservatives and libertarians 
who respect our tech industry that uh, be careful what you wish for, because while the current regime in the White House might might favor more economically conservative and libertarian views, the same cannot be said for the next regime. And uh, this notion that the government can use pressure through antitrust laws and other ways to accomplish what the Constitution would prevent them from doing themselves is something we've really be really got to be on guard for. So going back to the numbers, uh, what else did you guys find out? Yeah, great question. We found that Americans overwhelmingly prefer to let advertisers pay for their online services so that those services are free for the rest of us. So by a margin of almost three to one, Americans preferred having targeted ads presented to them rather than having to pay for their online services. And this gets to this notion of privacy. One of the three legs of the tech lash stool is one where when you ask somebody vaguely, are you concerned about privacy? I've yet to meet anybody who'd say, well, no, I'm not concerned about privacy, but let's make it concrete. Let's ask Americans whether they think the trade-off today where they 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 uh, look at targeted advertising based on their interests. And is that trade-off appropriate given that they don't have to pay for the services? Americans believe the trade-off works for them. Also that consumers are very empowered today with the choices they can make about the social media and online platforms that they use. Less than 16% of Americans thought that online services like Apple, Google, Facebook, and Amazon couldn't be replaced if a better alternative came along, a better competitor. Over half of Americans, 56% of aged 18 to 24, say that they've already stopped using one social platform or another. It's usually, I'm gonna, I'm not 24 anymore, but I would say personally, I just get off the platform where my family gets on. If your mom adds you on any platform you want to go to another one, I'm sorry, mom, I love you. <laughs> Continue. And uh, a small fraction of those individuals who quit using a certain social platform said that they did so because the social media platform changed its privacy policies. So there is an, an awareness and an ability to change which social media platforms you use, to dump one in favor of another, or to leave your page idle as you generate your attention to another platform. So Americans believe that they are empowered with choices that they have. And those choices, when people vote with their mouths, are far more appropriate control on the different market competitors that are vying for our attention. Yes. I would also say that these platforms, while they exist in the same market, but a very general wide market of social media, for example, platforms or search engines, also they have different goals and different structures and different way they are used. So it's it's very hard. You can't really compare Twitter to Snapchat or Instagram. You can't compare Facebook to Google. Doesn't make sense. They have sometimes similar features or they have pe- people, users who overlap, but they're such different parts of anyone's life. You use one platform to post photos of your food and you use another platform to express your political opinion and you use a third platform to stay in touch with relatives and friends overseas. That's just my personal way of using them. But I think that just shows how individualized the use is. Hence, people think that it's very easy for them to quit one or to for a new platform to come and replace whatever need they have. That's a great observation about the differences between different competitors 
and different channels we use on this notion of platforms. But if I can walk you back about 20 years ago, Web 1.0 was no platforms at all. Web 1.0 were publishers who would put their own content online for us to read. And in many cases, they were the traditional news and media publishers. Those are reporters who were paid to articulate certain views and stories. But Web 2.0 began about 16 years ago, where users like you and I would express our views and our news on platforms that would then publish those or turn around and reveal those to other users. So the first ones were things like Wikipedia, MySpace, uh, and even Blogger. When those came on, they ushered in the new era of Web 2.0, where platforms allowed users to generate the content. And that's a revolution where we've never looked back. Today, you, you wouldn't think you wouldn't even recognize an internet if it didn't contain the news and views of individual users that you could access through YouTube, Twitter, through Facebook, or look at news that's generated from a variety of sources and have it show up in your Google News searches. What is worrisome is that if we end up with regulations and limits on the internet and the platforms right now, we might not have Web 3.0. In maybe two or three years. Well, we're still, if the government begins to walk back the liability protections for platforms, we could lose Web 2.0, never mind Web 3.0. That makes absolute sense. Any other questions you asked on the second um, leg of a stool, or should we move on to the third one? All right, so the third one, the anti-competitive one, what, what did you guys find out? Yeah, the antitrust idea was something that we had to make real. So we asked Americans in this survey whether they thought the government should use its antitrust enforcement against the tech industry. And there was no support for that. Only one in 20 of Americans thought that the government should focus its antitrust enforcement on the tech platforms. Uh, there was far more support for industries like pharmaceuticals or the energy industry. When it comes to polling, a lot of questions are about the methods and who conducted the polling and how it was conducted and how many people were surveyed and so on and so forth. Can you give us some numbers and uh, structures so we can better understand and for skeptics out there, uh, show them how the polling was done? Obviously, we're going to link to all the results into the NetChoice website in the show notes so our listeners can go ahead and check out themselves. But just give us an overview. We, uh, we hired a company called Zogby Analytics, and they conducted the polling from August 6th through 8th in 2018. And they did an interactive survey of 1,222 different adults based on a whole set of consumer attitudes toward these internet platforms and government attempts at regulation. So the survey uh, has a, a margin of error of plus or minus 2.8%. And all of the survey questions and answers are available at netchoice.org slash techlash poll. Sounds good. Any final thoughts? Um, should we stop sounding the alarm or should we just make sure our representatives listen carefully to what their constituents want? What, what would be your recommendations for our um, people in power? I think they should start by asking consumers and voters the right questions. So many previous polls would reveal a general concern about privacy or a general concern about elements of the tech industry. And those general concerned questions don't really lead you toward the idea of solutions. 
Our poll took a different approach where we put on the table in front of American voters and consumers some of the prescriptions and ideas of tech critics, giving Americans an opportunity to weigh whether they thought that those solutions were worse than the problems, giving Americans a chance to do a balance between their privacy and the free online services they enjoy today. And I feel like that's going to be the more sophisticated way to analyze what policy measures should we take, as opposed to simply measuring concern, allow people to evaluate the solutions you have in mind. And I think that paints a uh, paints a roadmap for where federal and state policymakers need to go in the future. They need to be guided by voter and consumer preferences for ways to change, moderate, moderate the conduct of what happens online today. And Americans do value the free online services from the tech platforms they realize today, and they don't want new heavy-handed government regulation to that industry. And I think that many politicians, particularly those in the Republican Party running for re-election here in the midterms, ought to rethink the rhetoric that's used on the campaign trail, since the voters and consumers that they're speaking to don't agree that it's time to crack down on the tech industry that's delivered so many benefits for so many Americans. There you have it. Almost live from Washington, D.C., Steve Del Bianco, president of NetChoice, has given us some hope and uh, a lot of food for thought uh, for the next few weeks coming up before midterms. Steve, thank you for joining the show. We hope you come back soon. Thank you, Ash, and for everything that Tech Freedom does. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Tech Freedom, and please leave us a review so others can find the show. The Tech Policy Podcast is produced and distributed by Tech Freedom, a nonpartisan nonprofit think tank in Washington, D.C. To learn more about our work, make a tax-deductible donation, or find other episodes, find us online at techfreedom.org.